Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Brand and Beyond podcast. I'm your host, Chris, joined, as always, by my co-host, Peace. And today, we have a very special episode for everyone out there. We are joined by the co-founder and now senior vice president of Inspiring Group, Megan Newhouse. Megan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So uh, please tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, and a little bit more about Inspiring Group and where you guys are at now. You got it. Yeah. So um, Insprint Group has been a labor of love, you guys. This is my second startup. So prior to Insprint Group, I started, um, we called it Colette Allen Consulting, and that was a boutique learning and development consulting Mm -hmm. firm Um, that came after a long journey of like, what am I going to do with my life? I went into undergrad as a psych major, um, thought I was going to be a psychologist, have my own practice, And then just realized that wasn't for me. Um, And so I found what they called at the time human resources and um, learned a little bit more about that. And I was like, how can I really, I just wanted to like help people and give back. And so I thought maybe helping people learn how to love their jobs a little bit more was was where I was going to be. And look, I made a career out of it now. So um, (laughs) I went from, you know, undergrad, grad school, did a couple of odd jobs out of school and um, did that, you know, boutique L&D consulting firm. And that was super fun. What was great about that, I grew up in IT. So I was creating custom learning solutions for different um, IT uh, mm-hmm. softwares that were being rolled out or new processes. Um, but then I also kind of found a love for like helping new leaders, emerging leaders, or even existing leaders, like figure out how to really show up for their team and, you know, treat people how they deserve to be treated at work. And, Um, create cultures that people like wanted to show up to work at every day. And I was like, you know what, like I'm helping other people do that. I'd love to do that for myself. How can I create a company where people are just like jazzed to get out of bed, you know, show up with their talent, like bring their best every day. And so I just started thinking about that, like four years into my um, learning and development consulting firm. And wouldn't you know, like one of my friends who was actually a client at the time, he came to me, he's like, hey, I'm going to start a disruptive consulting firm. I want you to come and do like the people side of it. I was like, literally exactly what I want to do. Yeah, (laughs) sign me up. Um, When do we start? So that was in 2016. We started talking about it. 2017 is when Inspiring Group was started. Um, People process technology transformation. So like the buzzword at the time was digital transformation. We love to work with like big organizations that have a lot of layers that have like outdated processes, been doing the same thing the same way um, and help them think about things differently, especially as like technology advances and like with the pandemic, the way that employees are showing up to work is a whole lot different. So just helping, you know, maybe kind of older, more established companies think about how to stay more nimble. So we did that 2017 until literally this month, you guys, and Spring Group was acquired. Um, April- oh my God, wow. Congratulations. Congratulations, <laughs> in Spring Group. We love yeah, to see so- that. Little over six years, um, we were acquired by 10 Pearls, which mm-hmm. is a global um, digital solution organization. And we are providing those consulting services. So complimentary, right? Like we get to do everything. We've been doing really great. And now we've got this huge partner that can help us on the back end when we come up with the ideal solution, you know, get the development and implementation in there. So been quite a ride. And I feel like we're just getting started. <laughs> Well, again, first and foremost, congratulations being acquired. I mean, that's every entrepreneur's dream to a certain sense to get that acquisition to, to, you know, achieve something like that. So again, congratulations. Absolutely amazing. Um, so kind of diving right into it, I wanted to start with a quote that uh, I actually heard from you from a podcast uh, a couple of days ago. I was listening. You said, culture isn't a place. It's a feeling. Yeah. 
And I'd really love you, I'd love you to just dive deeper on what you meant by that statement. Yeah. Oh my, like, talk about like quoting me back to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> and also, thank you for listening. Um, for sure. So I like that kind of stems from, so I feel like we've been on this wild ride of um, companies that were never, like never had remote working policies all of a sudden being faced with having to do that when the world shut down in 2020. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you think about like, that seems like it was so long ago and like so much has changed. But if you look at like the arc and trajectory of history, like three years isn't really that long. So to make this monumental change mm-hmm. will take time. It will take people who are used to doing things a certain way to really like wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. But what I try to do, you know, when we talk to clients or when I talk, you know, speak on podcasts or anything like this is having people think about like, I think so many organizations that you know, to use the word like old school that were in office prior to March of 2020, Mm. really having a hard time rediscovering their identity, not in the office. And so I think they think so much of their culture comes from bumping into each other, you know, in the break room or popping by someone's cube, which there's a time and a place for all of that. But if your culture has to do with proximity, I'm not sure you're doing it right. Um, I, you know, I do think that you can have a very successful remote first culture as Inspirant Group has over the last six years, because it is, it's a feeling that you have, you know, that's the best way I can describe it is when you talk about any company, you know, um, I mean, talk about like Amazon or talk about Nike or talk, you know, like you have a feeling when you think about those companies and, and it's the same with corporations as well. Um, there's a feeling you get when you talk to someone on the phone, you know, right away. Like, are they all business? Did they ask about your family? Um, you know, is it easy to talk to them? Do you dread when their name shows up on your caller ID? So all of those things go into what it feels like to work for a company. And to me, that's the culture, not necessarily the office building that you reside in. So you guys have been really, as you mentioned, remote first since, again, before COVID. How did you package that? This idea of culture has nothing to do with the interactions at the coffee bar, right? It has everything to do with the camaraderie and the value shared. How did that transition, you know, evolve in terms of the messaging from before COVID to now after COVID, where now it seems like it's a trend? Yeah, I like to say that we were remote first before it was cool. And honestly, a little bit, honestly, peace like came out Mm -hmm. of defiance because I had worked for a couple of companies that um, I had proposed remote work engagements. Um, because of the work I was doing at the time really did not need to be in the office. I was writing for most of my job. Mm-hmm. Granted, when I was facilitating, and this was pre-Zoom and all of this, so I would have to facilitate on site. But for the writing piece of it, it was honestly worse for me to be in the office because people would stop by my desk and be like, Meg, what's going on? Like, oh, yeah, let's talk for 20 minutes. And then it's like, oh, wait, what was I doing? Um, so I, you know, I proposed, let me work from home on the days I'm writing. So I can be really productive and focused and then I'll be in the office on the other days, but it didn't fly. And so I was like, you know, when I went out on my own, obviously I worked remotely or I worked at the clients. I got to choose that. And so when we were starting Instagram group, I was like, I think we can be super successful if we hire the right people, one, um, and if we are really intentional and um, overly communicative about what it means to work for Inspirant Group. So culture will form, but if you don't take the time to nurture it and to make it what you want it to be, 
it's not going to end up the way you want it. So really it is like a daily exercise. And for us, that was, and I, I think probably for most companies, that's defining your core values pretty early on. To me, the core values are the soul of the company. So what that looks like is um, the rules of engagement or the behaviors expected for showing up as an individual in that company. So at Inspiring Group, we call ourselves the unconsultants, which is kind of fun, right? Because we we're mm. looking to disrupt an industry. And so what better instead of calling us consultants than to call us unconsultants, just to let you know we're doing things differently. And that in itself, having a name or a nickname like that automatically creates kind of a camaraderie and like a, a sense of belonging. But then we establish these three core values, have integrity, care about the greater good, and get it done. And with each of those core values, we have several behaviors associated. Like what does it actually mean specifically to have integrity at Inspiring Group? What does that mean when we show up for each other? And what does that mean when we show up for our clients? So that's a long way of saying piece that like, it, it was something that was really intentional from the get-go and having the right people, like having hiring folks that embody those core values you can train skills, but like if they don't have those shared values to start, they're not going to fit. So we found people that we could trust that had the values that were showing up the way we expected them to. And then it didn't really matter if they're coming into the office or not. Um, they were doing the job that we had hired them to do and they were really pleasant to work with. So we looked forward to those rare times that we would get together in person. And we look forward to the Zoom calls or the Teams meetings whenever we got to interact with them because we hired the right people for the job. So how out of shape were these large organizations that you dealt with? I'm assuming this all had to hit them like a huge wave, right? So yes. how did they receive that information? Um, I mean, to be honest, a lot are still struggling three years later. Um, you know, I think a lot of leaders who grew up um, managing in the 20th century still have that mindset. Um, change is hard. I get it. And if you've been successful operating in a certain way, um, how you define success, which I think a lot of folks look at the bottom line and define it, you know, monetarily. And that's one factor, of course. Um, but if you've if you've hit your revenue targets or whatever the goals that were set out for you to do, behaving in a certain way, um, it's going to be hard to change that. And unfortunately, right, so a lot of folks who are in these kind of higher leadership roles, 20th century management models, I tend to think of as being based off like manufacturing, like the industrial revolution, right? Like, so people were kind of interchangeable, like on the production line, you know, like, oh, you can no longer move that widget along or let's get someone else to. But when you're talking about like corporate America, you're talking about knowledge workers, I think even if people had the exact same education and took the exact same jobs, you're still getting two different people. So they're not interchangeable. You know, people's personalities and ways they think about things and ideas and creativity um, make each person showing up unique. So um, unfortunately, there's a lot of leaders that don't see that and think that folks are interchangeable and, and lucky to have a job. Um, and so that I think is forcing a lot of, well, we've always done it this way. So let's just go back to the way it was because it was working instead of thinking creatively and thinking future thinking, right? Like, well, maybe that, maybe that'll work for the folks that were with you before. But I mean, there's a whole new generation of people coming into the workforce that that is not going to work for. 
So usually, I mean, we all understand that COVID was the huge you know, mishap, right? Mm-hmm. That really changed everyone's eyes in terms of how to see work and how to go about culture in this instance. Yeah. Have you identified any unique trends or moments, you know, throughout the six-year tenure with the Inspiring Group where you're like, wow, like we're seeing a consistent problem here and it's really forcing, you know, executives and leaders that, you know, peek their head up above the surface and realize like, hey, people really do care about culture and values. Oh, yeah. Uh, has there been anything that's been consistent from your radar? Yeah, I think, you know, what's amazing and I think... um Again, I, I hate to generalize, although, you know, when you talk about, like, for example, different generations in the workplace, there tend to be trends that you see. And um, what I think the millennials did for the workplace was bring in this idea of um, needing some place that had values that aligned with their own. Um, I do think maybe the generations prior to that did have the mindset, like, I'm lucky to have a job, like show up and shut up, um, get your work done. And I think, you know, millennials are able to kind of pick their heads up a little bit and be like, there's got to be more like, right, there's more here. I'm I'm made for more, right? I'm I'm a smart, valuable person. Like, you know, you you show up for me. <laughs> and, and I think it's just echoing through Gen Z, you know, and um. Mm-hmm which is exciting, which I think is super exciting. And, and I think it's forcing big business to stop and take a look at their impact on the world. Um, and there's so many big businesses that are doing good, that are getting inspired, that are getting on board. And so I'm hoping that that trend carries on, right? Like that there's going to be a time where folks who aren't doing it are kind of looking around and being like, okay, guys, like we've lost our competitive edge. We've got to you know, it's like the triple bottom line, like people, profits and purpose, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got, to, you know, not only like, yeah, you got to make money. If you're in business to make money, if you're not a not-for-profit, like, yeah, that's okay. Make your money, but also like do it while taking care of your people and taking care of the world around you, right? Like that's what we got to all be doing here um, to be successful going forward. And I think that that's just like more and more um, prevalent these days that we're seeing that me and Chris found really interesting based on other podcast hosts, uh, I guess we've had on the pod no, good, good. is uh, we've heard, we've heard a lot of, you know, unique ways of how people like to approach culture or when they believe culture is important, right? We spoke with early stage founders vocalizing that, Hey, we, the executive team instills culture, right? Through themselves. We've heard other executives say, no, we allow our employees almost establish culture just by joining first. And then mm-hmm. eventually when we get to a certain peak within the company, it's something that we could fine tune and mold into something that we could broadcast to the world. Mm-hmm. How do you see the, the early stages of, you know, initiating culture to scaling culture internally as well as externally? That's a great question. And I honestly would love to learn more about that second group that you talked about. Um, I I don't know how successful waiting is, honestly. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm not trying to be glib. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just curious. And in my opinion, I think it needs to start at the top and I think it needs to start very early. You know, so it's my, it was in Spring Group with myself and two co-founders. So the three of us mm-hmm. sat down together and we said, what are our core values? What is our purpose? Why are we here? We came up with the term unconsultant. And then each person that we brought on, we talked to about that. You know, like I, I was, you know, when you have a startup, you wear like 15 different hats, right? So I was I was the HR lady, even though I don't really have that traditional HR background. So as I'm onboarding our new hires with my little PowerPoint deck, you know, I'm like, here are our core values. Here's what it means to be an unconsultant. And each person went through that. And we we continue to talk about that really regularly. Um, so I think, you know, 
both in the conversations you're having internally with your team, as well as how you display yourself out to the world. Like it just, it comes through, right? Um, I think that founders need to take the time to find their voice early on as well. So when you're thinking about like your external messaging and marketing, um, it's hard to do. And unless you take the time to really like dedicate and, and try some things out, cause not everything's going to hit. Um, so many times, like people are just like running, 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 lay, you know, laying the track while the train's coming. And maybe it is, you know, six months, a year down the line. And then they're starting to think about it. Um, I guess, depending on their industry or their, you know, what they're doing, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter, but like in a services organization, such as ours, like, People need to know who we are um, for us to get the work, you know. Uh, so maybe if you're like doing a product launch in a year, you can keep it quiet until then and figure it out. You know that that could be a big difference. But for us, um, our work comes in through you know both our network, people we know, but as well as like word of mouth and putting our thought leadership out there. And so we need to have a point of view, and we needed to establish that pretty early on. I think that chimes in beautifully with something we talk about often here, uh, which is under the umbrella of employer branding and how you mentioned, you know, being able to compact that culture and broadcast it efficiently, right? And in wow. a way that resonates really well with the people that you're trying to attract, whether it's employees, partners, uh, or anything of the sorts. Yeah. How do, you, how do you see the value of employer branding when it comes down to broadcasting what you guys have going on internally, whether it's your purpose, right, in terms of looking for prospective candidates or just the value you guys are bringing through your services or your product to partners yes. or potential customers? So important piece. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, one of the many hats I wore at the beginning was marketing. You guys like zero marketing experience. Like I, you know, I can like scroll through Instagram and tell you what ads I like. But as far as like branding for our company, I went on when we first started, I went on Canva um, free version of Canva and created our initial logo. I wish I had a copy. Oh, I do. Look. Oh my gosh, you guys, I found um, our first ever piece of swag. This is from the museum, you guys. Check wow. that out. Wow. That's nice. Incredible. That's nice. Uh, I know, right? This was our original <laughs> tagline. And this, I made this on Canva with this arrow in Sprint Group, right? Oh, it's so bad. But we did what we did. We bootstrapped and we did what we could. And I ran the LinkedIn page and I worked on um, getting our name out there. And so at the time when we first started the company, I, I came in, I was the chief people officer. Um, in 2020, honestly, like as we were, it was tough, like that, obviously, but that was like our revenue was way down, like deciding how we were gonna keep the company running. Like that was a low point for us. Um, I like raised my hand with my partners and I was like, hey, um, I think, you know, I would love to step into the CEO role because I see it as two things. I see it as the care and feeding of the team. And I want to be able to do that. And I see it as building our brand. I see it as like being out there in the world, the face of the organization, like getting out there, evangelizing about it. And then, you know, my partner, Amir, who was a CEO at the time, he's so good at like the sales, the growth, like, you know, and so it, it just made sense to do that little bit of shuffling, which we did in 2020. And then as part of that, I, I realized at the time that I could not do it all by myself. So we did engage some outside help, which is hard to do when you're a smaller startup. Um, again, we didn't have a whole lot of revenue coming in. So we, we waited a little bit till we started seeing that flow come back. Um, but we engaged, um, you know, someone just to help with 
brand and marketing and voice and, you know, helping us develop some of our thought leadership. And that was awesome. We did that for about a year. And then I was like, I really wanted to double down on that. So starting this year, we actually have a full-time brand and innovation lead, and she has completely revamped our voice. And what's important about this is that she has really taken the time to ensure that our messaging captures what it actually feels like to both work for us and work with us, which I think is awesome. So we've got undergone a brand refresh this year. Now we were just acquired. So now we're figuring out how to how to merge and integrate, but we'll get there. Um, but in the first quarter of the year, we really had this cool new refresh, which I'm excited to see um, how it progresses. So that's fun. Um, I think that my advice to like early stage founders, um, take the advice of like the percentage of your budget that should go towards your market and branding. I think I can't remember. I want to say it's like something like 20%. I think people are like, what? Um, and it's hard to do, but I think again, depending on what you're doing in the marketplace, um, you'll see the return, you know, if you're, if you do it right. Like, I think people can tell when you're like homegrown, <laughs> like trying to piece it together um, versus, you know, hiring a professional to, to make it happen for you. So you mentioned earlier that you tapped into the marketing, you know, contributions that they're in the early group, you know, shout out to Canva. And now you said you actually have an individual who actually manages that whole brand strategy, yeah. the voice of the company, the whole nine yards. Yes. How do you, how do you handle managing all these various channels in regards to almost like singling, hey, this is what we represent. You know, you're on LinkedIn, you have swag, you have maybe your site, you're doing podcasts, maybe you're writing blogs. Like, how do you reflect, you know, similarity when it comes down to you know, what you guys are trying to present to the world? Um, it is very well coordinated. So um, Katie on our team, the brand and innovation lead, um, she lets us know kind of like what the theme of the month is and all of the people who are putting information out into the world on behalf of Insprint Group, like align around what that theme is. So if it's, you know, like I do, a, I, I've done one this year, but in the plan starting next month is for me to get back on my LinkedIn Live. So my weekly LinkedIn Live content will coordinate with whatever those posts are for the week, which will coordinate with um, our director's blog, which will coordinate with um you know just regular posts that are going out on the different socials um so just being really thoughtful so that all of the messaging coming from all of the different areas whether it's you know the inspirant group brand umbrella or it's you know meg newhouse as part of inspirant it you can see that thread through that theme through and that way that gives us that unified voice we have kind of a um collaboration around what the theme of the month is going to be and talk about it yeah, for sure. The theme of the month. I really love that. Uh, what you guys are doing over there I, it sounds really interesting. And keeping that brand all unified is, as you can imagine, and you know, very, very crucial to any brand, right? So I wanted to little circle back a little bit to you started as the chief people officer and a co-founder. Yes. 2020 comes, you're our CEO. 2023 comes. Now you've, it seems like you've taken maybe a little step back or something along those lines, but now you're senior vice president. So what's it been like being in all those different roles and you know what have been the biggest adjustments transition from a you know chief people officer to a ceo now to a senior vice president what has that been like that is a great question and i think i mean you know some of the daily activities have changed but if you really look at like 
what my purpose is. My purpose, I can tell you right now, my purpose is to help people reach their full potential in life. That's what it is. That's why I show up every day. So for me, that is our team of unconsultants. Inspirant Group's just one slice of their day, right? They've got a lot of other slices that happen outside of Inspirant Group. So if I can make their time at Inspirant Group like amazing so that they feel energized and fulfilled and then can show up for the other slices of their life, the best person that they can be, then I'm doing my job. Helping people reach their full potential at work, like a lot of people don't like their jobs. And a lot of the reason for that is because either the processes are out of date or inefficient uh, technology doesn't work the way they want it to, or they're just kind of on autopilot, like doing something the way they think it should be done because it's always been that way without really realizing it could be better. So if we're brought in to improve any one of those for people, then we're we're helping them, you know, reach their potential by making their work better for them. So chief people officer, CEO, senior vice president, the title to me doesn't matter because I get to do what I think I'm here to do in life. I, I get to fulfill my purpose. And they've all been, um, I don't want to say easy, but um, the transitions haven't been difficult because I have a team of people behind me that want me to be successful. And that makes a big difference as well. I've got, you know, 35 cheerleaders at Inspirant Group being like, go, you got this. We're here. How can we help you? Um, and we're doing that for everybody, you know, so anyone you turn to on the team, you've got all these people that want you to succeed in your role, you know, that aren't trying to undermine you or cut you down or, you know, go behind your back. Like everyone genuinely wants you to succeed and we'll do what they can to make that happen. What was that relationship like with the team from 10 Pearls, their executive team, their leadership? Yeah, um, that's, was... yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry, peace. No, no. I mean, you, you know where I'm headed now, but it comes down to like, did you receive the same kind of love and support in terms of? You know, yeah, we're acquiring everybody within your team, but we still are advocating for you to take a leadership role and head certain departments and still push forward with the mission. What was that transition like, you know, regarding support from one team, now supporting from two teams? And what effect did that have on your title and your role? You got it. That's a great question. And we were not going to move forward with any sort of acquisition unless it was the exact right fit, unless it felt totally 100% right. And I'm talking about feelings again, but it's true, right? I mean, you can you can use the data and the facts and the logic up until a certain point, but you're always going to make a decision based on your gut, aren't you? You know, when it comes down to it. Um, and that's what it came with Temporal. So we we actually used a broker to go to market and we had a lot of interest, which was amazing. It felt really good. You know, we knew we had built something amazing, but to actually go out to the world um, and show them what we had done and have all that interest come back to us. So we did have our choices and 10 pearls just felt totally right. And it's and they've shown up now. We're a month in, um, but they absolutely support us. The reason I'm no longer CEO is there can only be one CEO at Temporals and, and his name is Imran, Imran and he's amazing. He's one of the co-founders. Um, but what we are as Inspirant Group is we are operating as what they call a virtual business unit. So part of the appeal for us was that we basically got to run as we run. Um, and we have now the support of this larger parent organization. So um, I am part of the leadership team at Temporals and you know we're still kind of figuring out what our places look like there. But overall like tons of support and um and trust and belief in what we've done and you know they really wanted to bring us on because of who we were 
Um, you know, and it, it was great. Imran welcomed the team shortly after we made the announcement to them. And he was like, you know, I know the word acquisition is scary, but you should know, like, first of all, we're like their seventh acquisition. So they know what they're doing. And Imran's like, we we bring companies on that are successful. Like we don't want to break them up. We want to keep them functioning as they're functioning. I mean, that's the whole point of this um, and let them do their thing. And, you know, we just get to help support them and watch them. And, um, you know, what the beauty of it is that they have, again, those complimentary services that we don't have on staff, as well as they have their own existing clients and networks, and they can open a bunch of doors for us that we were, um, we just didn't know about before. So that's, that's part of what's made this so exciting for going forward. No, for sure. And it's always great to hear a really great acquisition story like that. Everything goes smoothly. Everyone gels together well, because again, you hear some stories that, you know, some go left, some go right, right? Um, it hasn't all been roses, Chris, but, um, you know, we let the team know there's going to be bumps and there still yeah. will be bumps. I think, you know, again, I said we're only a month in, but um, you, when you've got a great, when you've got great teams on both sides of really good people that want to do right by each other, you know, it's going to work out, even if there's bumps. So jumping back into the topic of culture and people, what advice would you give chief people officers, maybe chief HR officers in regards to how they navigate culture and maybe towards their relationship with branding and marketing teams? What, what two cents could you give them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, I was just talking about this with the team earlier, honestly, mm -hmm. thinking about this idea of, of human resources in general, you know, um, I think when people traditionally think of HR, and I know there are a lot of movements out there to like rebrand and rethink about HR, which I think are great. But I think when people think about HR, they think about like compliance and benefits and um, getting in trouble and no fun and all of that. And I think um, I think that needs to get like kind of burned to the ground. And I think there needs to be more of like an, ex an employee experience department like um, a group of people that are responsible for, as I said before, like the care and feeding of the humans that show up to work every day. Um, and what does that actually look like, right? So I would say like the people in culture, whatever that is, like that person should take the lead. And then like, you know, me, you know, I bet compliance and regu regulatory and all that's like part of that larger employee experience. Like those are necessities and things that need to happen. But instead of making that the focus, um, that's just like one support area of this larger, like, we're here for you. Um, as far as like marketing branding, like I, they should be best friends, right? Because don't you want, I mean, what is an organization without the people that make it up? So don't you want the voice of your organization to be the voice of the people that work there? So if you have this, you know, new organization, I'm calling the employee experience, whatever, like replacing HR, then they should be like best buddies with the branding folks to like have that voice. And then think about like, not only like what you're showing out to the world, which I think is what often people think about marketing branding, but also that internal piece. Like how do we get people excited about what it means to be an employee of this organization and how much easier will it be for folks to adapt changes? For example, you know, like if you really feel like invested in this company and that you've been heard and that your voice, like you see, like, for example, like maybe a quote that you put in uh, an employee engagement survey is now like the quote of the month or something like that. Oh, my gosh. You know, yes, that's me, you guys. They heard me. And um now then when it's like, oh, you know, this process, we're going to have a slight change or, oh, we're rolling out a new technology, like 
It's going to be more like, okay, all right, tell me what this means for me versus like, what again? No, gosh, this place, I can't believe it. You know, like you just think about getting that buy-in. And I think you give them this great experience and then you like message it correctly. You've got, it's brilliant, right? I mean, that's the way to do it. So where do you think the people space is headed? I mean, it's fairly new. I mean, me and Chris, I mean, it's really new that we've thought it was interesting enough to start a podcast relevant to it, <laughs> right? So where do you see the people space going? I mean, from the traditional, like you said, compliance and payroll of old HR uh, into now people. And as you mentioned, employee experience. I mean, it's again, it's just the evolution of the workplace. I, I think that we were headed that way prior to the pandemic. The pandemic accelerated a lot of stuff. Um, so which is great. And I, it's, again, it's scary and it's hard, especially if your headspace wasn't already there. If you were just like doing mm -hmm. things, they were status quo. And I got like smacked in the face, like what? Huh? Um, so it's going to be hard to wrap your head around that. But I mean, even with all the automation, even with machine learning, even with AI, chat, GBT, whatever you want to talk about, there are humans behind all of that. And you can't replace empathy. You can't replace mm -hmm. kindness. You can't replace that human interaction. So, you know, let me put a little asterisk and yes, Inspiring Group was remote first before it was cool, but we still have very intentional in-person meetings. We typically get together once a quarter in person. But what I mean by intentional is that if I'm asking you to leave your home, to leave your family, to fly on a plane or whatever it is to be here in person with me, that time's going to be totally valuable to you for you to do that. And so there's nothing like sitting across the table from someone you care about having a meal, right? Or mm -hmm. having a laugh in person or being able to, you know, slap someone on the back when they do a good job. I mean, there you can't replace those kinds of things. Um, so you're always going to need that. I think there's just understanding what that balance is and and not asking people what they want to do and hearing them say, I don't need to come back to the office or like, let's do it once a month. But mm -hmm. then be like, oh no, you need to come in twice a week. You know, like that's, you've got to be, if you're going to ask the question, you got to be able to act on what you're hearing back or you're going to get instant disengagement, which loses a company money. I mean, there's, there are ties from active disengaged employees to the bottom line and it's not good. For sure, for sure. And I, I really love what you said, though, because there's nothing in the world that will replace the connection between two human beings, right? There's nothing in the world that will replace that sort of connection. Every, everything that happens in person just it's really it's, it's, it's almost you can't explain that sort of that sort of feeling, but it could not agree more with you. So question we love to ask everybody here in the brand and beyond podcast is what's one question you'd have for a founder, operator, executive, somebody you look up to, anybody, it could be literally anybody, Megan, that you would love to ask a question to that would help you right now as you continue your journey along in your career. That would help you right now, though. Hmm. Um, I would I, I really so I'm a big reader, so I would mm -hmm. love to know a book that they read. It could be fiction or nonfiction, it doesn't matter to me. That mm -hmm changed their life. And I'm going to be extreme in that way, right? Like mm. it actually, you know, so in, in that way, it likely changed the way they think about something. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that's a great question. That tells me a lot about somebody. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, Megan, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can speak for the both of us here. 
me and Peacemaker, we learned so, 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 so much. Um, please tell everybody where can they find more about you, about Inspiring Group, and anything else you'd like to plug. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, you know, find me on LinkedIn and honestly, I love connecting with people. So if you like what you heard and you want to talk some more, just drop me a line and mm-hmm. we'll find some time. I always have time to talk with folks. Um, you can also find Inspirant Group, a 10 Pearls company. So you can learn more about the unconsultants of Inspirant Group, as well as our new parent company, 10 Pearls, also on LinkedIn and on our websites, inspirantgrp.com or 10pearls.com. Beautiful. Again, Megan, thank you so much. Absolutely spectacular episode. And again, you heard her, ladies and gentlemen. What an awesome con- You made it so easy for me. Oh. Love what you're doing in the world. Keep it up. I appreciate you. Oh, she's too kind. Again, and also, ladies and gentlemen out there, you heard her. Drop a line on your LinkedIn. She'd love to connect with everybody. So exactly. for everybody listening, exactly. For everybody listening to the Brand and Beyond podcast, thank you very much. And until next time.